there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week I promised you that I would show Scott another Wes Anderson movie and show it I did. Scotty, what Wes Anderson classic did I show you today? Well, today we took a boat ride. Did we? Oh, no. To an island <laughs> mm-hmm. that was filled with dogs. Okay. So we watched what? Isle of Dogs. Ah, okay. I thought that was obvious. We have a special guest with us on this episode. We were recently a guest on her show where we talked about the uh, very hilarious and bizarre rom-com Palm Springs but we thought we'd tag her back and have her on our show so allow me to proudly and happily introduce Claire of the podcast Why the Flick. Hi thank you for having me I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. I, we, we love your show because it not only spans all different time periods. You do recent stuff. You do nostalgic stuff. You just recently did an episode on Free Willy, which I like. I was gushing about to you before because I'm just I, I fell into the nostalgic pit of Free Willy, and it like gave me all the feels. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we like really run the gambit on our show. It's like new stuff, old stuff, everything in between, really. But but I also really like your show because. Like ours, it uses flick as a substitute for fuck, which is just <laughs> yeah. so very fun. What? Is that why? What? What? Did you not know that, Scott? Yeah. Oh, you poor innocent baby. Okay. First time hearing about it. <laughs> Before we get into the good stuff here on this movie, I wanted to give you a chance to really plug your podcast because we want everybody to listen to it. So let us know what it's about, where they can find you and all that good stuff. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I'm Claire from Why the Flick. Um, We are a movie podcast where we watch a new movie each episode and really just ask ourselves why the flick uh, did we watch this movie? And so, yeah, I usually have a guest on uh, each episode and we kind of go through the movie very organically, like talking about whatever we want. And then we have a few segments at the end that are pretty fun which also includes us rating the movie at the end. But yeah, we're available wherever you listen to podcasts, mostly like Spotify, Apple, you know, like if you listen to podcasts, you know where to find us. Um, and then we are also on social at why the flick on Instagram, Twitter slash X, um, TikTok <laughs> and Letterboxd. <laughs> so the reason we did this movie or I guess to be more appropriate, why the flick we did this movie. Oh, was because A, I wanted to show Scott another Wes Anderson film, and B, uh, it is our little puppy Leia's birthday. Aww. Happy birthday. But yeah, I, I'm excited to show you another Wes Anderson movie. I'm curious to know your experience with Wes Anderson's filmography, Claire. Do you like the man? Do you not? I think I'm pretty, like indifferent like I wouldn't say I watch a ton of Wes Anderson this is probably like maybe the third one I've seen honestly out of his list like I've seen World Tenenbaums and I've seen like I believe I've seen the Grand Budapest Hotel at least like a little bit of it but I know he's like a little quirky and I was really excited to watch this movie because I love dogs so I feel like it was a good one to pick for from his list we love dogs in this house as well, obviously. I'm currently also wearing my <laughs> dog mom hat just for the occasion. Aww. But um, 
Yeah, I've seen all of them except the new one. So I guess I'm the most experienced in the Wes Anderson realm because um, Scott's only seen a couple. Yeah, I'm at four and a half. Yeah, he counts Grand Budapest as half because he doesn't remember if he's seen it or maybe seen some of it or gotcha. clips or half. I don't know. <laughs> Who could say? But um, yeah, this is probably one of my favorites just because I really enjoy the artistic style that he chose to use with the not just the fact that it's stop motion animation, but just like the particular style that he used. Yeah, the weird thing is like... <sighs> I have this weird irrational fear of like stop motion animation. Like for some reason it freaks me out so much. So I really like don't know why I gravitated to wanting to pick this one. So I have to say like it's probably because it has dogs. So I feel like the dogs outweighed like the creepiness I feel from stop motion animation. But also with this, it's just beautiful. And so I don't I kind of forget that it's stop motion animation when I'm watching it. Yeah, I get what you mean, though, because like stop motion animation is a, it, it's definitely a unique form of of art. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But there definitely is like an uncanny valley way of it. It can be off putting. Well, because when it starts, you can tell the voices are just slightly off to the the mouths moving, but you quickly let that go. Just It's like almost you're tricking your brain into not focusing on the mouth not matching the voice yeah it all kind of just seems like a stylistic choice so you kind of just once you get into it you don't even realize it i think yeah i agree and i mean just maybe it was because back in the day i watched gumby and that did a number on me my thing was nightmare before i never watched nightmare before christmas like as a kid it creeped me out same but then i watched it as an adult i was like oh my god this is great (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, maybe that, I think that was it for me. And also that Wallace and Gromit cartoon where the mm. penguin was like, looked like a fucking serial killer. Like that one, <laughs> that one creeped me out too. So I, I get it. I get the vibe. The one character, the one Frankenstein looking character in this <laughs> yeah. freaking movie. He's the only one that looked like he was out of like the Adams family. Everyone else looked yeah. normal, but he just looked like he was out of some Tim Burton nightmare. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I didn't understand why he looked so different. I'm like, why, Wes? Why? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so this movie, as we've mentioned quite frequently, was written, directed, and co-produced by Wes Anderson, who is known, as Claire mentioned, for his quirk. Quirky quirkiness. <laughs> There is no denying that this is Wes Anderson. Yeah, well, that's the thing I like about him. I like directors and creators that just have come up with their own distinct style and you know immediately when it's their shit. I respect that a lot. (laughs) There's specific steps you have to achieve to get the Wes Anderson style. Yes, have Ed Norton turned weirdly towards the camera <laughs> yeah that's you have to you have to purchase ed norton's services and then get him to turn awkwardly toward a camera and whine well, one element i feel like that i do know even though i haven't watched a lot of wes anderson films is the amazing like cast yeah there's a lot there's a standard amount of regulars we'll talk about i mean pretty much everybody in here is a regular except for uh brian cranston who plays our main character a guy opens his door and gets shot and you think that of me no i am the one who knocks but i feel like i find it interesting that for this movie he said wes anderson that he was inspired by kurosawa miyazaki and rankin bass (laughs) 
it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much this whole movie. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I got that. I got that. Because the, the uh, stop motion animation never, I mean, I feel like in certain situations it works. In this kind of situation, it never feels like you're in a real story, if that makes sense. It feels like you're in a book, like a storybook or something. Mm. Like It never feels like these are real people and it's happening in real life. And maybe because it's yeah. also supposed to take place in the future. So maybe that's part of it, too. But it just never, it always has that storybook type feel to it. Well, dear, this is our future in 17 years. Yes. In 17 years, the government will try to take our doggies and we will defeat them. At least the dogs can talk. That's part of it, too. I feel like having that storybook feel, of course, like animals talk. But um, the film was also composed by Alexandra Desplat, who's a two-time Oscar-winning composer. One of his Oscars was won from Grand Budapest Hotel. So he is also a Wes Anderson regular. Are you getting the picture yet? I mean, the entire time I was watching this movie, I had IMDb up like, who's that voice? Who's that voice? And I was just like, oh, I did catch Jeff Goldblum. I <laughs> yeah, He was trying to figure out Jeff Goldblum, too. He was like, he just asked me before. It's like, who was Jeff Goldblum in this movie? He was the gossip dog. He was the gossip dog? Yeah. <laughs> you heard the rumor, right? About Buster? Not sure. Can you remind Who's Buster? Uh, my brother from another litter. What happened to him? Suicided. Hanged himself by his own leash. Yo, I he have you heard the rumor? Uh, have you heard the rumor? Where are <laughs> yeah. you hearing these rumors? <laughs> that was funny, too, because Scott asked me at one point in the movie. He's like, "Where? how is this dog hearing all this shit? And then maybe in like 10 minutes, the dog, the, another dog asked him that very same question. He was like, that's what I want to know. <laughs> Where are you getting <laughs> these rumors from? He's like, didn't you hear? Nutmeg made it. <gasps> Tea. Well, like the only voice that I felt was so distinct that I can't miss him is Norton's. You didn't know Cranston. You didn't know he was Cranston in the beginning, Chief. But I, no. I recognize Brian Cranston. I, I couldn't. I couldn't pull it in my head. And Bill Murray. You didn't recognize Bill Murray. Oh my god. Oh, Bill Murray for sure. What kind the of fan I... are you, Scott? I love Bill Murray. I just their voices all kind of melded together at one point. I was like, uh, who's who? <laughs> who's who? At yeah. This point? The last thing I want to mention before we get into the nitty and the gritty. Uh, this film was nominated for two Oscars. Now, I feel like if this was in any other year, probably would have won for Best Animated Feature. But unfortunately, this came out the same year as Into the Spider-Verse, so it didn't have a fucking chance. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was also nominated for score, Alexandra Desplat. But uh, he lost to Ludwig Göransson for Black Panther. <laughs> well, again, mm -hmm. didn't yeah. really stand a chance. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, it came out in a in a really stacked year for those two particular categories, at least. I mean, Black Panther swept a lot of things. So what what can you do? But I do feel like in another year, this could have very easily swept. Leia is wagging her tail, so she clearly agrees. Or she saw some food in the distance and wants it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who could say? <laughs> um, so, yeah, are we ready to get into the nitty and the gritty? Are you ready to be educated on Wes Anderson? I'm here for it. Teach me. Hit the drums. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so our movie is set in Japan in the year of our Lord, 2038. 
We establish immediately that this is in the future, thankfully, because no one wants to think that this could happen today. <laughs> Some guy can just be like, fuck dogs, I hate them. Let's put them all on a trash island. Um, but it, it does take place in the fictional city of Megasaki, which yeah. is the, <laughs> the the Japanese names in this and the Japanese, the kid, there's a little boy who's like the main character of this movie and his name's Atari. So, (laughs) so, (laughs) you know, I mean, obviously it was done on purpose, but it's just like, all right. (laughs) Part of me was thinking today, I'm like, is this considered racist? I'm like, I don't know. I don't think, well, I don't know. I feel like because they're so on the nose about it. I feel like maybe he's trying to say it's not racist because I'm acknowledging that it's kind of racist. So because I'm self-aware, it's not inappropriate. Yeah, I feel like he's like the message at the beginning that was saying like everyone speaks in their native language unless through an interpreter. That feels like he's trying to not be insensitive, but then also at the same time, like things that people do in this movie seems a little like, oh, I don't know. Um, (laughs) It's a bit awkward. But to kind of set the stage for this movie and what is to come, a canine flu has broken out, infecting pretty much every dog in Japan. And this mayor, Mayor, what's his name? Kobayashi. Kobayashi. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) It's established that the Kobayashi name has an ancestral hatred towards dogs for reasons. So because this canine flu has broken out Kobayashi decides that he's going to exile all the doggos and send them to this island full of literal trash just to I guess live out the remainder of their days in squalor and sadness he starts off this process by exiling this particular dog named Spots and Spots is voiced by Lee Schreiber I knew that I could pull and that one you got, and <laughs> I could like yeah, that, hardly tell yeah, it was Yeah, Lee Schreiber you got, but yeah. you didn't get Bill Murray. No, I got Lee Schreiber. Okay, I got Sabretooth. Okay, yeah, go to bed. Yeah. You need to go to bed. They put Spots in a cage, and they put him on this island, and just don't open the cage. So he's just in a cage, which was really sad, <laughs> and he's just by himself. Yeah, a lot of this movie in general is kind of sad as you think about it. Yeah, that was your general consensus at the end of the movie. I'm like, did you like it? He's like, I don't know. I was sad, but like it was good. (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) Uh, Spots is actually the bodyguard dog of Kobayashi's orphaned nephew, who is also like his ward. We get like a little flashback of them meeting for the first time after the nephew atari they tell him like oh no it's not your pet it's a bodyguard so you have there's no you're not allowed to like play and stuff and you just see them instantly bond and one thing i liked about this movie in a weird way like because it just made it all the more sad is like there are multiple times in here where dogs just burst into sad tears and it made me sad oh my god Uh, like big crocodile tears we were like Leia can you do that and then at one point the, there's a whole like thing where the dogs are whistling to each other and I'm like I don't think dogs can whistle and we were like Leia try to whistle we kept whistling at her thinking she was gonna whistle back 
Uh, you can you don't know until you try. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but meanwhile, while all this is going on and all the dogs are being exiled, this scientist by the name of Professor Watanabe, he defends dogs and is like, we can't just get rid of man's best friend. What are you? What's wrong with you people? And he's like, give me six months and I'll come up with a cure. So that's that's sort of the prologue of our movie. We set the stage here that all the dogs are exiled and it is sad. <laughs> well, it's even sadder because as they describe this trash island, which is, of course, an island filled with trash. Yes. Um, <laughs> Forky's dream vacation spot. They said throughout the movie that they've tried to like inhabit this island multiple times mm-hmm. and it's been destroyed like multiple times. Giant fire, earthquake, everything keeps getting right. destroyed here. Nothing survives here. <laughs> yes. There's a whole evil plot here that, surprise of all surprise, is a big conspiracy started by Kobayashi. I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil the big reveal <laughs> to well, anybody if it's like a big surprise that the evil guy in the beginning of the movie is evil. <laughs> but not only that, <laughs> all the cat pictures and stuff. Oh like- yeah. I was like, I didn't was not expecting to watch a movie and have it be like pro cat propaganda, anti dog <laughs> propaganda, but here we are. So after this little prologue, we jump ahead to six months later, and we officially meet Atari, who is our young hero of the movie. I want to ask, hmm. how easy is it for a twelve year old to break into a government base? And steal a plane. Apparently pretty easy. (laughs) Yeah. We just have to suspend disbelief. This is a world where dogs talk. We just are going along for the ride. (laughs) That's not even the most unbelievable thing that happens in this movie. (laughs) So, I mean, we we can let that go. And to be fair, he doesn't really successfully hijack the plane because he crash lands on the fucking island anyway so yeah he crashes twice yeah so let's just be thankful the 12 year old boy didn't die but he went to this trash island to rescue his dog what a noble mission how could you judge the boy for trying to save his pup i don't see any other humans trying to do this yeah i feel like if leia got chucked off to a trash island i would like sneak onto the plane that was transporting her and try to break her out with all the other doggies i'd be like run free (laughs) no me and you probably would have been killed before they even got the chance to get her on the plane well way to be morbid bro i'm just saying i would have tried to like hide my dogs like in a bunker underneath my house until they start barking because they bark at literally everything and then i'd be like god damn it (laughs) i was gonna say leia wouldn't last she barks at everything too (laughs) But Atari ends up crash landing on the trash planet and a a very cute and funny little pack of doggos come to rescue him. Uh, We're going to just introduce all of our doggos real quick. So we got Rex played by Ed Norton. We talked about him. when We did Fight Club and when we did the Incredible Hulk movie, which was like 10 years before this. Uh, we got King, played by Bob Balaban, a very well-known character actor. We got Duke, played by Jeff Goldblum, a.k.a. Gossip Dog. Yes, rumor has it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we, of course, did The Fly with him uh, and Thor Ragnarok. And last but not least, we got Boss, played by Bill Murray. And apparently his voice was unrecognizable to good old Scotty here. <laughs> but uh, even though he's like one of the most iconic comedic actors of our time, but that's okay. 
We don't judge you. Yeah. You don't shoot the flick. Last but not least, though, we have our, our leader dog of this pack. And his name is Chief. And as we mentioned before, he's played by Brian Cranston. Like five years post Breaking Bad. Um, and he's the only stray in this pack, Chief. He's a scruffy little black dog who hates humans and it lives on the streets, man. He's so badass. <laughs> that part where he was, Edward Norton was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I can't go on because they have to eat like just maggoty apples and yeah. and stuff. And then it's interesting because like the dogs themselves are already being othered by humans. But then there's also like communities within the dogs and they're also like othering the distinction between domesticated pets and strays but then also having to to rely on the strays to survive because the strays are more used to this hard life than they are i i do think one of my favorite lines is here in the beginning though because they fight this other pack of dogs a trash bag falls and they all come together and like wait 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 wait. before we rip each other apart let's actually see what's in the bag <laughs> a rancid apple core two worm eaten banana peels a moldy rice cake a dried up pickle tin of sardine bones a pile of broken eggshells an old smushed up rotten gizzard with maggots all over it okay it's worth it this perfectly shows like oh you're watching a wes anderson movie because, you know, you are introduced to this, like, really tense, you know, they're about to fight kind of situation. And then it's immediately interrupted with quirk. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> Another thing, though, with Wes Anderson, I feel like it's, you know, he has his main character that he develops a lot. Really, Chief is, I feel like, the the character that gets the most development throughout the whole movie. And um, then everyone else, for the most part, at least the dogs, I would say, are relegated to quirks. Like, at least in the dog pack itself, like Edward Norton is, you know, loyal, like, I want to be a, a, a man's dog dog. And he's like constantly trying to almost usurp Chief as the leader and help Atari find spots and all that good stuff. And then. Bill Murray's the baseball dog because he was a mascot of a baseball team. And then there, I think one of the other dogs is uh, like a commercial dog. Like he did commercials for dog food or whatever. And Jeff Goldblum, as we mentioned, is gossip dog. He ha always has all the hot tea. So they're all relegated to a certain quirk and they have their little fun one-liners here and there. But for the most part, I would say the story is mainly Chief and Atari's. I'm surprised Owen Wilson isn't in this movie. Mm -mm. He would have been a great dog. I feel like he has the voice for it. I feel like he was supposed to be that one character actor, but he was like busy or something. Maybe, but yeah, he definitely gives off loyal, mm -hmm. fun, friendly dog type. <laughs> yeah. I just want to know if these guys in real life are friends and have a group text together. And if so, can I get the group text because i just feel like this yeah, like just group of, yeah <laughs> yeah this like is group of of actors together i just feel like they had a lot of fun with this i feel like these types of actors would just have that group text and all they would type in there is bark woof yeah, <laughs> yeah. woof Rawr. <laughs> that would be jeff goldblum it would be oh, i know God. it so First they go and they eventually do find the cage where Spots was in and it's shut and there's nothing but a doggy skeleton in there. And at this point in the movie, when I first watched it, I burst into tears. <laughs> I 
just like, what? <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Yeah, my jaw dropped to the floor when I saw the bones in the cage and I was like, oh, oh, like they they're going there. But very quickly after that, they they Wes Anderson tricked us. He fooled us. He chewied us. He did. He really did chewy us. Even though the the thing in Rise of Skywalker was so stupid because Chewie's in the fucking trailer riding the Millennium Falcon <laughs> later in the movie. So you know Chewie's not dead, but that's besides the point. <laughs> they tried to trick us and make us think that Leif Schreiber dog was dead. But in reality, he's not. It was another dog that had like a similar name. So they got confused for each other. So after they realize, okay, Spots is still potentially out there somewhere in the world. We must find him. All of the domesticated dogs in this group are like, hey, let's help the kid find his dog. And Chief, a.k.a. Brian Cranston, is like, eh, no, I don't want to. Don't come near me, small child. I bite. I'll fuck your shit up. And eventually chief is convinced to help the boy sort of kind of by nutmeg voiced by scarjo of course who is our show dog she is very purdy and immediately she has uh, actually some pretty great chemistry with chief i was a show dog you know a few tricks then a few can i see one I'm supposed to be spitting a nine-pound bowling ball over my head at this point, but you just have to imagine that part. Yeah, I can picture it. So Nutmeg convinces Chief to go along with the dog pack and help Atari find spots. So that's where we're at with, with them. Meanwhile, all that's going on, as Professor Watanabe promised back in Megasaki, which is, again, a fictional city, don't come for me. <laughs> But uh, Professor Watanabe develops a cure for the dog flu and Kobayashi proceeds to cover it up, brush it aside and basically plot Watanabe's demise to just cover it all up because he hates fucking dogs. (laughs) Yeah, he has a whole plot where he like kidnaps him, poisons his wasabi on his sushi and kills him. Yeah, and then the news report is like, Professor Watanabe poisons self. And it's like, how, why, no, why is that the headline? Why would he do that? It doesn't make any sense. But there are conspiracy theorists out there, Scotty. Yes, with blonde afros. Yes, let's not think too much about that either. Um, <laughs> little uh, little white girls from Ohio with blonde afros. Um, <laughs> so... At this point, we meet Tracy Walker, who happens to also be Nutmeg's owner, master, whatever. But she is against this whole fascist dog-hating regime. She is a a foreign exchange student from the States, and she is an aspiring journalist. And she is investigating this horrible conspiracy against Mayor Kobayashi, this one you're never going to get, Scott. Do you want to guess, though, who voices uh, Tracy Walker in the movie? I actually don't know. Greta Gerwig. Ah! <laughs> famed director of the Barbie movie. And I'm bad like the Barbie. I'm a dog, but I still want to party. Pink felt like I'm ready to bend. I'm a 10, so I pull in a I didn't know she did voice acting. So I was listening to a couple other podcasts who have covered this movie. And it was interesting because all of them brought up the white savior... Oh, cliche with tracy with okay. tracy 
And I was wondering what you guys thought of, is she the white savior for like trying to expose this plot? And I kind of don't agree with that because she really, as much as she like, oh, I'm bringing this plot to light. She doesn't really do anything. Well, she, in fact, what do you mean? She she hires the hacker boy right, who does then, everything. Yes, but then she interrogates Yoko. Oh, no, don't worry. We'll get there. And she gets the, oh, she gets yeah. the serum. <laughs> Yoko Ono's in this movie. Did I fail to mention that? <laughs> so for 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 me with Tracy, I can see where people would be coming from with that, but I still think like at the end of the end of the day, it's Atari who comes and saves the day at the when we get to the very end and everything that happens. Like, because because Tracy, even though she did all of this stuff, it still wasn't going to make a difference until Atari got there, and it really became like him being the hero in the end yeah i do agree with you i i can see that angle i guess but i mean she was about to get deported before atari showed up and actually saved the day so back on trash island um the dogs along with atari travel and they go to meet with uh, a couple of dogs one of whom is supposed to be this magical mystical oracle but really all she can do is <laughs> watch tv and understand it i thought that was kind of funny and clever i was like oh i love they that. think she's a mystical oracle they can see the future but really she just watches tv <laughs> there are a couple times where she like turns and like does like a face at the camera it's like like oh my god <laughs> she's a little pug so she just like the really like muggy faces um but yeah there's a, a bigger dog older dog named jupiter played by f murray abraham who's another regular of course and then we got oracle who is the little pug who i do i don't know why like she had no lines <laughs> she had like maybe two yeah and she just said what what and then at one point she <laughs> screams like that's her only lines in the movie but she was voiced by tilda fucking swinton <laughs> so these dogs jupiter and oracle um explain to our dog pack that spots maybe being held captive at this point by a smaller faction of cannibal dogs <laughs> that's right cannibal dogs so like the <laughs> big bad like boogeymen of the cannibal dogs has developed this reputation of these crazed wild like killer dogs that don't give a fuck and are very very scary you eat a person one time and yeah. they label you a cannibal <laughs> I know. But, uh, that, that actually turns out to be an interesting twist towards the end of the movie that we'll talk about obviously when we get there but even that ended up being really fucking sad this movie is sad yeah yeah it really puts you on a on a roller coaster, but it's also funny. There's just so many like funny moments throughout the movie oh, yeah. that it's just like dry witty humor, which I'm guessing is another like point of Wes Anderson himself oh, yeah, um, adding into his films. But yeah, there's just so many funny moments throughout that don't make you go full depresso. Yeah. So they get separated here. The two groups separate. Yes. Tell tell them about the part where you like freaked out. Well, because they get separated and they're yelling back and forth to each other. So Atari ends up with Chief and the other four dogs go into like this little metal chamber. And then immediately the screen goes incinerator crusher. Like I'm like, oh, my God, are they dead? Yeah, I was <laughs> literally writing notes. And then all of a sudden I hear, oh, my God. I'm like, 
what? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, they just fucking got incinerated. I'm like, oh, no, they did. They're fine. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, why are you screaming? <laughs> that was me. I was like, oh, no. Like, I honestly yeah, was, was like. To be fair, that oh, would have been really shocking because it just like they're literally ed norton's in the middle of a sentence and then he just gets whisked away off screen in this little gondola thing it's so funny (laughs) yes chief and atari yeah they get separated together and they bond Mm. that was like some of the best stuff in the movie fetch it i'm telling you i don't fetch fetch it I'm not doing this because you commanded me to. I'm doing it because I feel sorry for you. And then he's like, you are a good boy. And he hugs Chief. And it's like, oh. And then he gives him a little bath. And then we find out that Chief was just really fucking dirty. (laughs) He's not a black dog. He's just filthy. I have to say, I feel like I watched a very small part of this movie a long time ago. And it was this part. Because I kept thinking... I had this my own conspiracy theory that Chief was actually Spots, but he was just like covered in soot and Chief was so like distraught over being left that he didn't want to admit that he was Spots. So I thought that was going to be this whole thing where it's like, it's actually Spots that it wasn't. Yeah, that's what I thought, too, when I first watched the movie, because when he washes Chief, he goes from a scruffy black dog to a pretty well kept white dog with black speckles on it looking very similar to spots the only difference is that spots has a pink nose and chief has a Mm -hmm. black nose so chief was even confused by it like hmm is that my brother or something what the fuck but yeah don't worry this will come back later but yes what i love about this part is that chief throughout the whole movie has really been very standoffish towards atari and he talks at one point he has a pretty good monologue uh where he talks about how he was adopted at one point by a family and then one of the kids in the family kind of snuck up behind him and he bit the kid on the hand. He was sort of abandoned and then ended up escaping because he felt bad and thought he was going to get kicked out of the family. He says he don't he didn't know why he did that, like why he mm-hmm. doesn't feel comfortable around people. He just never did and he was always supposed to be a street dog. And it's it, it's a compelling monologue, and I feel like Brian Cranston gives it justice because he's just Brian Cranston, and he can make anything sound harrowing and cool. I just realized, so is Chief Michael J. Fox's character from... Uh, Where are you going with this now? Oh my god, look at the dog movie we did. Homeward Bound? Thank you! Oh, yes, Homeward Bound. Yeah, no, you're right. My other favorite childhood movie. I love that movie. I showed him that movie too. Like I think last year, the year before for <gasps> Leia's birthday. Wait, you'd never seen it? Oh, I know he had never seen it. Isn't no. that bizarre? But yes, technically yes, because Michael J. Fox in Homeward Bound was like I think a street dog that didn't trust people, and then he got adopted and he fell in love with the family and all that good stuff. So yes, I guess technically that is true. First of all, I literally cry my eyes out every single time I watch Homeward Bound. I can just envision the scene at the end and I will burst into tears. So we have to move on or otherwise I will be breaking into tears. Um, second of all, I I feel like Chief is is like, yeah, technically he could be like, um, oh my God, what's the dog's name in Homeward Bound? Chase? 
that Chase? Ch- Chance. 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 Um, he, he could yeah, he right. could be like Chance because he's a straight, but he gives me more shadow energy. Just old, like, grumpy. Or is he like Billy Joel dog from... Uh... From Oliver? Stop it. Stop comparing <laughs> these dogs to other dogs. <laughs> no, because fucking Brian Cranston dog doesn't burst into song while jumping on top of cars in New York yeah, City. Yeah, that dog's... Chief is not that suave and cool. No. Mm, sorry. <laughs> no, Chief is very not suave. He tries to be suave. Brian Cranston yeah. can't help but voice him suavely, but he is not suave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so after they've had this intense bonding session that was so cute, and now they're best friends, they meet back up with the other doggos. And immediately Edward Norton, because it's Edward Norton, he just whines. <laughs> And bitches oh and moans. God. He's like, "Wait, you like the kid now? I told you to like the kid like forever ago." And you're like, "No, I'm a stray girl. I bite." As they are sort of kind of reuniting with the other doggos, there is a rescue attempt for Atari by Kobayashi's men, and then all of a sudden, we get the return of Spots, <laughs> along with his uh, special not cannibalistic dog pack that come to save the day turns out spots has his crew of cannibal dogs that are all dogs that have been like scientifically experimented on and shit yeah it's implied that while the flu was going on that these dogs were tested on because they all have huge like medical problems and they're scarred and it's again really fucking sad (laughs) my emotions my emotion and then we have a like another flashback with spots kind of joining this crew of dogs and their backstory is revealed through a a great little cameo performance by harvey keitel similarly to moonrise kingdom which is the other wes anderson movie we did on our show where harvey keitel shows up very briefly but you know gives a very harvey keitel performance we get another very strong cameo performance from Kaitel where he is the dog named Gondo who is like one of the leaders of this quote-unquote cannibal dog pack and he's like yeah we we don't eat other dogs we 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 ate one dog because we were starving to death and if we didn't we were all gonna die and he was dying so we put him out of his misery and it's I, I can't do it justice he was like crying and then there's one point where he's telling the story and he just he gets so overcome with emotion that he just starts howling and i'm like i can't watch this anymore it's too sad it's too much yeah yeah but i have to admit the design here of harvey keitel's dog oh yeah it's great because it's like yeah he's got like half his skull exposed so he looks creepy as fuck so i'm like this works like, I would understand why you would go, like, obviously, cannibal. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> Don't be so doggist, Scott. <laughs> but the other news we learned from here is Spots has a girlfriend. Well, not just a girlfriend. It's the mother of his future children, Scotty. And uh, he wants, he, he loves Atari, but, you know, he's going to have pups. Yeah, he basically, he saves Atari and Chief and they manage to escape off somewhere and Spots is just like, hey, you know, I love you, man, but like, I'm going to be a dad and stuff and I'm the leader of this pack now and they rely on me. So like, 
it's not you, it's me. You know, basically like a soft breakup with this 12-year-old boy. <laughs> and um, Chief immediately, which I found really endearing and sweet, he just immediately starts standing up for this kid who for 90% of the movie so far, he's hated. And I'm like, oh, he's like, do you have any idea what this kid went through to find you, you asshole? <laughs> it's like, if we, don't, if we don't die from this, I'm going to kill you myself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, he reveals spots that Chief is his brother. And they're from the same litter. And uh, it eventually leads to, because Spots can see how much Chief cares for Atari, he's like, listen, I would like to officially transfer my bodyguard duties over to Chief if Atari, if you will agree, and Chief will agree, let's make this official. And they're both like, okay. And then Chief all with glistening eyes by the way it's like the glistening eyes i can't i can't take it it's too much but yeah they're it's like a sad breakup and a really beautiful beginning of a very sweet friendship and yeah chief is atari's new guard dog but we must go back to the mainland where our white savior oh my god with the white savior please (laughs) Is going into a bar oh my to God. talk to a drunk scientist. Oh my God. <laughs> this is a great scene. Her name is actually in the movie, Yoko Ono. Oh, uh, yes. Greta Gerwig comes in and she's like, Miss Yoko Ono san. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot Yoko Ono is actually her name in this movie. <laughs> and I sat there, I'm like, you, how could you? It doesn't need to be explained. It's fine. Yeah, it just is. We accept it. It is what it is, damn it. (laughs) I just love that um, Tracy walked in and she was like, chocolate milk. And then it like slides (laughs) across the bar. down the bar. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, uh, assistant professor or assistant scientist Yoko Ono confirms the conspiracy for Tracy. And she manages to give Tracy this one last dose of the serum that saves all the doggos from the dog flu. So she can, you know, go and stop this horrible thing from happening because Kobayashi is about to basically exterminate all the dogs on Trash Island. Oh, yeah. He gets real Nazi horrible real quick. Gas. Yeah, it's really it's yeah. a lot. <laughs> While Tracy is uncovering the conspiracy, Atari and the other dogs also plan to get back to Megasaki to save the day, essentially. There's a part here where they first find out that the dogs are being trapped and about to be killed. Because uh, they get a message from a black owl. One of the best lines comes out of a uh, chief's mouth to the owl. He goes, "You'll meet a bitch named Nutmeg. Tell her chief says I'll see you in Megasaki." When we heard that line, we were like, "Just imagine Brian Cranston in a booth." <laughs> saying that <laughs> just imagine him in a totally oh. normal movie as a human being saying that <laughs> saying that line you'll find a bitch named nutmeg after breaking bad i believe anything can come out yeah. of that man's mouth <laughs> he can Pete. say anything and make it sound cool though <laughs> it's like so funny it's, to me it's so funny though when you think about brian cranston sorry here's the tangent oh please um, let's let's go when let's you do it think about like his start and like being the dad on Malcolm in the middle. Yeah. Oh, I know. And being like, Oh, this guy's just a generally nice guy. Everybody loves him. And mm-hmm. like, goofy. he's just the goofy dad. And now it's like, we went the way different direction. 
Now he's just the dad who also sells meth. I mean, Heisenberg was also a dad, Scott. Let's not forget. That's true. But he does kill people. (laughs) We don't know the dad for the Malcolm in the Middle didn't kill anybody. He seems like the type. He, he, he just wound a, one day. He just wound a little too tight. Yeah, but I I think the conclusion is we love Brian Cranston, especially when he's a stop motion animated dog. Mm-hmm. Indeed. But uh, now we get to kind of the climax of the movie, the big confrontation with Kobayashi. We get you know Tracy Walker's there to confront him and reveal this whole big conspiracy, and then she immediately gets deported until Atari shows up with all the doggos, and he's like, "I'm not dead, bitch," because they all thought he was dead. And then he comes out of the woodwork and is like, he gives this really rousing, loving speech about doggos, and Kobayashi softens his little heart and decides he's not going to kill all the dogs because <laughs> now he's a great guy because he decides he's not going to commit dog genocide. Well, it's <laughs> it's also funny because this is one of the things that I think is a little underrated about this whole movie in general. Ooh, okay. Is Wes Anderson shows almost like a really realistic depiction of like fascism and like how Kobayashi initially goes oh, of course, we'll listen to people who don't agree with us. Of course, you Mm -hmm. have the floor. Like, he makes a big show of, like, you can speak your mind, and then immediately after she does, it's like, boom, you're getting deported. Goodbye. Bye, bitch. Like, it's like, it's the show of, like, Oh, of course we're we're understanding. Of co- it's like the trick of the mind. It's brainwashing, as right. they said throughout yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's an underrated thing in this movie that is shown throughout, like especially with the Kobayashi character. Mm-hmm. So after Kobayashi does soften his little genocidal heart and decides not to kill all the dogs, uh, it turns out he wasn't the real villain. It's the obviously creepy guy that looks like he's in a totally different movie that was Kobayashi's right hand. And he just comes out of nowhere and decides he's going to kill all the dogs. But that was I, weird. I don't even remember that from when I watched the movie first time. But by him pressing the button, our hacker guy who has... Infiltrated. Done his hacking magic. Yeah. He's infiltrated the government, done hacking magic like he's in Jurassic yes. Park. Indeed. And caused, <laughs> when they go to shoot the wasabi poison, all these people get infected with wasabi poison that were the evil people. So it turns out this hacker is actually a murderer. <laughs> After all. Fair. <laughs> but like, they were all going to kill innocent doggies, yeah. so like, fuck them anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm wondering, th- let me just ask this, because they have that little fight scene and with the robot dog. And in spots, and then once it ends, you see yes. cats there who scurry away. Are the cats inside the dog yes. robot ma- maneuvering it? That's what I assumed was being implied. The cats are behind this all. Like I, I, yeah. I wish like they, they, because the cats are trickled throughout this entire thing. Like they, there's a cat tattoo on the back of the mare. They're like each of the evil yeah. like people in the organization have a little cat that's sitting next to them or on their shoulder like mm-hmm. i just thought that the cats would have had a bigger focus like of them like being the ones like puppeteering the whole thing like imagine the the evil guy who's so obviously evil just rips off a mask and it's a big fucking cat <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
the mayor is cats like <laughs> it's just like 10 cats standing on top of each other yeah. so what you're saying is this is secretly a sequel to the 2000s movie cats versus dogs yes it is <laughs> oh I my like, god imagine though this movie oh my uh, god and that movie had jeff goldblum in it it, <laughs> it all makes sense now <laughs> oh my god it all comes oh full, full circle. That's hysterical. I was expecting that joke to bomb, and I got great no. reactions from both of you. Well, I'm so happy. So <laughs> that movie is so 2000s. It's gross. Like <laughs> it's so <laughs> bad. Because I had that on a clamshell. Same. I remember watching that movie many times as a kid, and even then, I think I thought it was very strange. <laughs> like just the way they made the cats and dogs talk in that movie. Was it? Yeah. Who was the fucking beagle? Wasn't it like Toby Maguire? It's Toby Maguire. I'm looking at the cast list. Oh now. my god! Yeah. How Toby did I pull that out of my ass? Oh my god! That's so bad. Remember oh when god. we had Wait, so many talking have... animal movies? Do you guys remember? Yeah, I don't um, know. Wh- I don't know what we were thinking. And then you... what was? The... I'm trying to figure out who the other dog was. There was another dog. Oh, I have. The... But oh, Alec Baldwin was yeah. the other dog. Oh my god! Butch. Kill me. Okay. <laughs> Jesus! Oh wow! Oh, that's I right. I thought I Kevin Spacey movie. was the evil cat guy, but it's it's not Kevin Spacey. Oh no, Kevin Spacey has another cat movie where he's an actual cat. Yeah, isn't he an evil cat guy? Oh my God. Yeah. Ew. All animal movies are connected. Yeah. Well, we it's funny because when we did Robin Hood on here, the Disney Robin Hood, we talked about how like mm-hmm. we had like a Disney theory, how like every generation there has to be like a new. I don't know if we talked about it on that episode, but we definitely talked about it at some point where every generation there has to be a new like animated animal movie with a hot main character to like ignite the furries of the world. <laughs> every generation. Oh. So it's like, you know, we had Robin Hood, then we had Zootopia, and then there was another one in the middle that I can't remember right now. Madagascar? Well, Fox and the Hound, I guess, for, cause for Ooh, the teenage King, I mean, <laughs> It's so weird. Oh, Space Jam. <laughs> Space Jam didn't have it. Oh, because Lola. Yes, because Lola. <laughs> we love oh, those bunny yeah, movies. Sexy bunny. Oh. Did you say bunny movies or bunny, bunny boobies? boobies? <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Not that that's what I heard. Just making sure. <laughs> I can't. Did you ever expect before you started recording this podcast that the word bunny boobies would ever be mentioned in your yes. life? <laughs> Yes, no. I often bring up bunny. I bring up bunny boobies in every episode of Shoot the Flick, but somehow in the edit they get cut. Somehow, <laughs> mm, somehow, not this time. Not this time. It got in this time. Oh, God. So yeah, uh, wrapping things up into our sort of happy ending because after this big confrontation and big fight, Atari is seriously injured. Spots is seriously injured. Is that it? So yeah, they're both injured. They're both seriously injured. I know that they're it's, taken to the people hospital. People get fucked mm-hmm. up left and right. <laughs> uh, Kobayashi decides to give Atari his kidney. Yeah, and then I guess Bat, along with the fact that he tried to save the dogs at the last minute, gets Kobayashi reelected. But because he's going to prison, the I guess role of mayor goes to his next of kin, which is Atari. So this twelve-year-old boy is now mayor of this Japanese city. Because that's a thing. Seems problematic, but okay. That's a sure. thing that would happen, sure. Oh, it's going to be Ice Town all over again. Oh, no. Oh, not I a know. Parks and Rec reference. 
<laughs> oh no, Adam Scott, who? <laughs> and then, oh yeah, what I like too is they, they leave us guessing until like the very end if Spots is alive or dead. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, he's dead. They have the memorial statue. Yeah. The poodle and the puppies are at its grave and but then the person brings out two adult dog bulls and spots comes up from behind and i was like thank god i could not yes. <laughs> and did you notice that the meat that the guy gives the doggies is mashed up and grinded up because he makes a point earlier in the movie spots because he has these like oh, military yeah. issue oh yeah how did like, we forget about super that super teeth they can fucking kill people and shit. He just so, spits them out at people. Yeah. He says to Chief at one point, he's like, I can't just do that all the time. If I do it like more than a few times, like I'm going to not be able to chew my food anymore. So then at the end, when it turns out Spots is alive, Aww. the guy brings out mushed up meat so he can actually eat it. I thought that was a cute little detail. But uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, again, Wes Anderson tried to trick us and make us think that this dog was dead. Twice in the same movie. Twice. Twice. Also, Chief and Nutmeg get together. Ah, uh, yes. Chief and Nutmeg yeah. get together as well as Atari and oh. Tracy. Because uh, throughout the whole movie, Tracy is kind of carrying a torch for Atari because he is brave. That was... Dog warrior guy. It's that very cute. That was the most weird... That part really was just weird. I thought it was cute. Because the- then when Atari sees her, he, like, in his speech, he's like, ah, oh, this attractive young... <laughs> reporter and she's like oh yeah. you think i'm attractive <laughs> like oh this is cute well it was just funny because her like when she's because she, she's doing a speech in her like room she goes i think i'm in love with you I'm like no she says yeah. she has a crush she's, she's like Let's damn it i have a crush on you zealous <laughs> don't drop the l word she's a 13 year old girl and she has a crush on a boy oh my god <laughs> that's okay i'm just here for the chief uh. and uh nutmeg romance anyway yeah, yes. that's true. That's much more compelling mm-hmm. anyway. They're very cute together. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine me jumping through a fiery hoop. and <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm currently uh, juggling 10 bowling pins, but you just got to imagine <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, very cute. But um, yeah, that's Isle of Dogs, guys. It is. So I'm curious to know how you guys feel about this movie as Wes Anderson novices does this make you want to watch another Wes Anderson movie and kind of see where you go or are you kind of good (laughs) no I mean I'd be open to watching more of his like definitely I'm kind of interested in watching the Fantastic Mr. Fox movie which I believe was his I was just gonna say he has another stop motion animal movie so I don't know. I do get weirded out by stop motion, but maybe animals I'm okay with. So I'd be willing to give it a yeah. go. And yeah. Um, I think yeah. George Clooney Fox will. Yeah. I mean, uh, it has George Clooney <laughs> and he's a literal fox. And Yeah. You have Brian Cranston dog and uh, George. George Clooney Fox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think I'll be good. But yeah, um, I do want to like revisit Grand Budapest Hotel to see um, if I remember it. One. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'd definitely watch more from him. What about you, Scott? Um, yeah, I'm. I, I think you have to be in the right mood to like be like, oh yeah, let me throw on Wes Anderson and watch Wes Anderson because he's not for everybody. He isn't. No, that's true. He he's a weird filmmaker, and sometimes you sit there and you're like, like, I think I tried to watch 
Grand Budapest, I think once or twice. That's why I only included like a half. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you got to be in the right mood, mm-hmm. I feel like, just to be like, yeah, let me watch Wes Anderson. Because if you're not, you're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely fair. Yeah. I like, because um, I didn't realize he directed the Royal Tenenbaums. And I watched that when I was, I feel like I was pretty young when I saw that. And there's a part yeah. in it that kind of uh, traumatized me a little bit. So, um, but like, so I can't, I don't really remember much about that movie. So I would maybe like revisit it to see if it's along the same lines as his other films. But yeah, I think you mm-hmm. have to be in like a certain mindset to, um, to watch it but yeah I'd, I'd still i'd still watch more from him i wouldn't say i'm like a huge wes anderson fan still but i respect the guy for sure that's fair but yeah i definitely agree that you need to be in a certain mindset to take it in i think with him because you have to be mentally prepared for a certain amount of dry humor and quirk <laughs> Yeah, and if you're not, it just doesn't gel. A certain amount of quirk, all the quirk. Okay, well, shit. <laughs> it's all quirk. I'm actually like really interested in seeing Asteroid City. I think of all of the ones. I am too. Like that's, it looks good. I, that's the only one I haven't seen yeah. yet. So I do want to watch that. That that also has Ryan Cranston in it. <gasps> okay, well, I'm sold. <laughs> so now we're definitely yeah. in. <laughs> so for me, upon rewatch, uh, I stuck with my previous rating of this movie i I have it as a four out of five stars on letterboxd uh i'm curious what your guys's ratings are yeah i i think i'm the same i'd give it a four out of five i really did enjoy watching this movie and i mean i'm i'm a dog lover so of course it was gonna like cater to to me and my interests but then you also have the addition of all of these great actors and ensemble cast as part of it it's like hell yeah it's it's gonna be good and yeah I mean the, I think the overall story um is good as well like some some things I feel like could have been maybe done a little bit differently but at the end of the day I think it's a really good message about not just like man's best friend but it's also like this allegory into otherism and us like being accepting of other people and you know not um being um you know fascist or or anything like that but yeah I think there's like a lot of really cool deep messages that you can get out of this movie that seems like very much like I wouldn't say like a kid movie but it seems like it's not all like animated I think movies are catered toward kids um but on the surface level it seems like a cute movie and then when you actually watch it there's a lot of deep meaning you can get out of it um so yeah I'd give it like a four out of five yeah I kind of flirted around with a, a f- I, I gave it a four but I was kind of three and a half four I kind of was like bouncing back and forth 3.75 is kind of where I would like that would be a sweet spot but Letterboxd doesn't do that <laughs> well that's fair yeah. though I think if this movie came out during COVID times, it would have been probably received a little mm. differently. Imagine they have a whole movie about a dog flu Ooh. and exiling a whole group of people or doggos, I should say. So you're telling yeah. me this movie was a pug telling us the future. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. all Tilda Swinton dog so. telling us what the future and- holds. <laughs> And in the year of our Lord, 2033 or whatever, dogs are going to be able to talk. Oh, so yeah. I'm waiting for that. Just wait. Leia, you ready for that? Yeah. You ready? 
She's you ready like, to tell yep. mommy to fuck off <laughs> like English <laughs> instead of just barking at me? I hope my dog has Brian Cranston's voice. That would be great. <laughs> I hope my dog has Greta Gerwig's voice. Yeah. That'd be fun. So next week we are actually taking some time off just to recharge and regroup and recover from this mostly sad but at the end happy <laughs> dog movie. <laughs> because and you know enjoy celebrating our doggo's birthday as well so we're we're gonna take that week off and then come back with a brand spanking new disney movie but before we say our goodbyes i want to give claire uh one more shot at um promoing her stuff and i want to thank her once again for for joining us it was so fun to see you again and, and talk to you about another cool ass movie yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had such a fun time talking about this movie, and I'm glad that you guys invited me in to pick a Wes Anderson movie, and now I'm going to start watching more Wes Anderson films, so that's awesome. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. we'll bring you back for another one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Maybe Asteroid City at some point when it comes out. Ooh, um, nice. Yeah. But yeah, so um, as I mentioned, my podcast is called Why the Flick. I'm a movie podcast and really um, we talk about any sort of movies, both old and new. Um, we also have like some segments at the end of our show where we do some like fun questions and then rate the movie. Um, it's just like a really fun time and um, yeah, it's it's a blast. And then on social again, um, we're at Why the Flick on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Letterboxd. So you can definitely check us out there and give us a follow. Absolutely. Yes. Please check out Claire at Why the Flick. Hopefully we can uh, be on each other's shows again because this was a really fun time. But um, uh, Maybe next time I won't wear a Hawaiian shirt. Who knows? <laughs> well, now but no. To, it's now a, it's yeah, you have to now. It's, it is tradition. <laughs> Damn. That's like required. <laughs> um, so yes, until we see you guys again for what the month of September. Oh my God, this year is flying by. I feel like it was just May, like a week. I know. Woof. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but until we see you again, this has been shoot the flick. I'm Frankie Sparks, and I'm Scott Eisenberg, and I'm Claire. <laughs> Uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back in two weeks for another Disney-fied magical movie adventure. I can imagine that. Oh, oh okay. <laughs>